we're in the middle, we're kind of on, I guess, uh, we're on week two, I guess, of uh, a new series we've just started, which is called Piki Te Ora, Life in All Its Fullness. And um, first of all, I want to say, Manawatia uh, Amatariki, we honor and welcome Matariki, Matariki uh, time uh, of year. And uh, it's been great, to, as, as Rachel was saying, to, to celebrate that. and. Um, and it's really important, and uh, we'll probably touch on that a little bit later as well as we talk. Um, I also just wanted to, um, I just wanted to plug Emma's talk. If you didn't hear Emma's talk last week, I was away. We were at a wedding, like a number of us. If you didn't get a chance to listen to Emma's talk, can I just encourage you to get hold of it and listen to it? It was a really fantastic introduction to the series and really, really... I say introduction, it makes it sound like it was, it was an overview, it wasn't. There was a lot of depth in there, a lot of really excellent stuff there so if you didn't get a chance to listen to it listen to it and if you did get a chance to listen to it last Sunday listen to it again uh, you know so I've, I've been through it a couple of times actually and uh, there's lots of really really good stuff in there so I really want to commend that to you um, so I'm just wondering is my clicker likely to work or are you going to do you okay alright okay I don't, I don't even know where to point it actually I'll point it over there okay let's try this oh, fantastic okay yeah well, so um, it's a, this is this is interesting uh, time, and uh, I was looking back and uh, looking back at um, a series we did previously called uh, Kingdom Life in a Broken World, where we were looking at how to be a non-anxious presence in an anxious world, looking at uh, Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and um, and and you had some bloke here to speak back in, uh, but on on. Oh, no worries, mate. Back in, it turns out, back in March 2020. Now, I don't know if anything's happened since March 2020 that could be a cause for concern to us. It might have been one or two things happened in the world. Um, but it's kind of interesting that uh, <laughs> uh, looking back. But I think um, just want to give you a, a bit of a, um, a sense of what we're going to cover today. Look at, we're looking at a, an interesting topic today. I think it's a very timely topic. So we're going to look at a timely topic, an astonishing promise, a bleak alternative to that, and then we're going to look at some things that are about God's um, God's way in tackling this topic, which is firstly the release of Jesus, secondly the insight of the apostles, and thirdly the, the way of David. So that's our, our plan of what we're going to try and do. So just to say, um, so we're, we're talking about... Um, Fear and Anxiety this morning as part of our Soul Talk series. And um, it, it's accompanied by these midweek uh, sessions that we've got with some great videos, really practical stuff. So if you're not part of a group, uh, Emma has a group that meets on a Tuesday. Lloyd has a group that meets here on a Wednesday. Um, or if you want to, uh, if you don't want to do that, you want to do something else, then you, know, you can grab a couple of other people as well and just maybe do it informally with a, a, a group of you and one of our G3 groups, then, then do that as well. But we're working through these. So the Sunday is an introductory, introductory overview of, of maybe what the, what the Bible says about this stuff. And then there's some real practical stuff that is being led by um, an amazing uh, couple who are also the same people who are going to be doing our marriage course a little bit uh, soon as well. So, uh, and it's um, really born out of life living uh, and following Jesus here in Aotearoa. So it's, it's, it's homegrown stuff, which is, which is great. Um, but just to say that this, this topic of anxiety and fear is, is, is quite timely. Um, so uh, these happen to be the uh, things in, in New Zealand that have suddenly become the top issues that Kiwis say that they're sort of worried about in surveys. So the cost of living is getting really expensive. Housing has been a really major issue. 
healthcare has been bubbling along really since the start of the pandemic as a not, you know, all you know, petrol pricing, fuel, crime, law and order has always been there. And the economy was a real big concern to kind of gone down a bit now because obviously the, the economic uh, situation has changed. But I was listening to um, a podcast by um, Bernard Hickey um, who, uh, during the week, and uh, on my bike, and um, one of the things he said was, um, uh, again, this goes to what Emma was talking about last week, is that burnout, stress, and anxiety in the workforce are like that we have never seen before in New Zealand at the moment. And, and, and the, the, the concerns about the rise of cost of living and the concerns about housing at that time were absolutely off the scale in terms of concerns that people had in another workforce survey that had been done. And um, in fact, um, you know, if we take a wider context, we're not alone in this. If you look at the world, many of those things are the same, some are slightly different. So we've got inflation in there, the cost of living, uh, but also poverty and inequality um, and unemployment crime violence still there, corruption being a big one. And interestingly, you can see coronavirus, which kind of went from, you know, the top concern to now being eighth, eighth on the highest list of concerns that people have. But the fundamental thing is, um, for us here in New Zealand, there's a conundrum because um, we're way more worried, for instance, about our financial future than we've ever been, even though there is record low unemployment. And even though we've got the best wage growth for a decade, although not all of us are feeling that wage growth, um, so the question that with the conundrums being asked is, well, why are people feeling so stressed and anxious when, you know, according to some of the indicators, you know, we should be much, feeling much happier about the improvement in our situation since, certainly since I was last speaking when we had, you know, a, the looming nature of a, a major pandemic with no vaccine and no cure and high mortality rates about, you know, exploding all over the world. So things have moved on and yet, we are still in that place. And you remember Emma was speaking last week about how when we get in a stressor and it raises our body and our body starts to cope with it, that we don't always come out of that and come out the other side of that automatically. We have to find ways to do that because otherwise our body stays on that high alert. And, um, and it seems like as a society, there's some of that going on uh, as well. And just in context, so Auckland University of Technology surveys said that, you know, Back, um, I think back in, uh, in the start of the pandemic, it was about one in nine of us were feeling pretty burned out. In the workforce service, that's now one in three people in our workforce feeling burnt out. And that's not all just doctors, nurses, although there's some of it, you know, they've obviously got a lot of pressure on them. But, but right across the workforce, um, there's way more people experiencing that sense of burnout than, ha than has ever been the case in any survey. And contextually, this thing of anxiety is a component of that. Um, around about 15% of Kiwis actually at any one time will have a level of anxiety that's not just feeling anxious, but anxious enough that it starts to affect the way you can live your life. So that's pretty major. I mean, that's like, that's way, way higher than the incidence of, of coronavirus in this country. The incidence of, of, of anxiety and worry being a major kind of thing that really affects your life is much, much higher. And around the world, there's been about a 28% rise in that since I last spoke on this subject. Um, and obviously, COVID is a big uh, factor in that. But, you know, um, most recent survey says that 90% of teachers, just over 90% of teachers now, say that anxiety is the number one issue in their schools. The biggest issue in their schools is anxiety for young people. So, so this is like a really, really timely topic. And... And we aren't immune from that. We aren't immune from all of those forces that they, they can affect us too, you know, 
as the Bible says, you know, no temptation sees you except that which is common to man. You know, the stuff that affects the world also, you know, uh, uh, is, is stuff that we have to have to deal with. But in that context of that really timely topic, then, um, there is also an astonishing promise. And I want to just show you this astonishing promise. So here is, um, here is in, uh, in Leviticus, this is uh, the reward for obedience. Is so God says, here's my law, and you know, if you disobey it, bad stuff will happen. If you obey it, some good stuff will happen. This is the promise it says, and you can see it in there, I'm putting it in bold. You will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. That's the reward for obedience. And it's not necessarily that there's no combat. You can see a little bit further down, you know, you're talking about you know, having combat with enemies and things going on. So it's not like an absence of stressors. It's that you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. That's an astonishing promise. And remember, by the way, this world that this was spoken to was not a world that has anesthetic. It was not a world that has unemployment benefit. It was not a world that has healthcare. It was not a world actually that had you know, defense forces and things like that. You know, you could be at the whim of a neighboring, you know, kind of king or tribal ruler to come and overrun your lands and take all your stuff away. So life was way, way more precarious actually when this was spoken. And yet the promise astonishingly is you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. Now, of course, we know what happened, you know, it was a great promise for obedience, but give us, give us a law and we'll probably find a way to break it. That's generally how we, we are. And lo and behold, Israel wasn't very faithful. And so having been exiled, you know, uh, what was the promise of the prophets when, when the remnant was due to return? You know, the remnant people would be faithful to God. Well, here it was, Zephaniah 3. On that day, you won't be put to shame for all the wrong things. I'll remove from you. From, you know, I'll leave you the meek and the humble. They'll do no wrong, they'll turn on a deceitful to work with anyone. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. So it's the promise of the returning, for the returning Israelites, of the remnant that stay faithful, there's no one will make them afraid. And yet, you know, Israel remains, you know, under Roman occupation, and, and, and you know, there's all that stuff going. So then what happens? Well, after, after a period of, of about 300 years where there's no clear prophetic word from God, all of a sudden, you know, the, the, a priest called Zechariah, uh, you know, is in the temple and, and God says, your, your wife, is, you know, she's going to have a child. And that child's going to be called John. And he's going to be amazing. He's going to turn the hearts of fathers to children. And he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah, the coming king. And so Zechariah sings. And here's what he sings. Praise be to the God of Israel. Look at all those things. All that he's going to do is going to raise up salvation for us. He's going to you know, fulfill the oath he swore to Abraham to rescue us from him and to enable us to serve him without fear. It's the same astonishing promise. Despite all of our unfaithfulness and all the things that went wrong, that promise with the coming of King Jesus. So it's astonishing. And, and in that context of a global pandemic of anxiety and worry, that's even more astonishing that that would be a promise that might be available for us. Seems like a long way from where we are with the place that worry and anxiety seems to have in our society and indeed for many of us in, in, in a fair bit of our lives. Lots of stuff we have to work through. So it's not, um, 
think about worry is, is, I thought that was kind of a bleak alternative. It's quite sort of a debilitating thing, um, anxiety. And um, I, um, I don't know about you, but uh, I think um, th there is quite a distinction for me between um, fear and anxiety. Because one of the things about fear is there's often a very specific threat, you know. So as Emma was talking about, you know, if, the, if, if you're being chased by the lion, then you might feel a bit afraid and there's probably a reason for that and you're, you know, that causes things to happen. Um, but, but in the same way that kind of fear is kind of a cute thing, often driven by an event, there's much more of a chronic thing of something that just goes on and on with no end signal, that stress of that anxiety. Um, and, um, you know, healthy fear is quite specific, it's quite constructive. Your autonom autonomic nervous system gets going. You have physical energy and mental clarity. If you say, um, I was listening to Tim Keller, who was talking about a story how where his, um, he, he put his little boy up on the top of a, a slide and went down to the other side, and his little four-year-old boy just toppled off the other off the top of the slide, went backwards instead of forwards. And they said in that moment, he had such physical kind of adrenaline and mental clarity, and he made it over and caught his caught his boy because. The fear of, of, of something that he valued so much being harmed, like was was real, and uh, it, but it was specific, it was constructive, you know, and uh, and it overcame what was quite a specific threat. And, and what it, the fear enabled him to do was really summon all his deepest capacities, things that you don't know you can do almost. That that reflexes, that adrenaline, that flow, fantastic. So that wasn't sort of a bad thing. It galvanised him for action. But if you compare that with you know, a more generalized anxiety where it's a bit deeper. It's not specific, it's generalized, it's diffuse, it's undefined. We don't really know what's attached to, we're not really sure what's wrong. So, but although fear galvanizes action, a deeper anxiety is, is the opposite. Kind of debilitates you, paralyzes you, makes you unable to, act, to, to um, make decisions or take action, and you can feel sort of stuck. So it's a bit like, you know, fear is a bit like the thunderstorm, it's kind of and then, you know, and then it's gone and, you know, and, they, and, and, and the, the steam's growing up and the plants are growing and it's all good, but it's pretty heavy while it's there. Whereas, you know, anxiety is more like that sort of cold, indeterminate but drizzle that's just there all the time and soaks into your bones. Always a bit agitated, a bit nervous, a bit scared. Your autonomic, autonomic nervous system always on, you know, hence, you know ulcers, high blood pressure, all those kind of things, feeling like it's kind of gnawing away at you inside. It's not a pleasant thing. And um, interestingly, that sense, there's a word, the biblical word for, um, for, uh, for cares and for anxieties is, is that exactly that sense. And um, it's used a few times. That interestingly, you'll, you'll have heard it said before, I'm sure, that the word fear not appears, you know. I think, I remember hearing it said, it appears 366 times in the Bible, so once for every day of the year and in the evening and the year, there's fear not in the Bible, right? So, so fear, fear is probably an important thing. But, but this specific word that's about anxiety, that kind of lingering chronic thing, um, is used particularly in a couple of places. And, um, and uh, one of those places is here. It talks about, um, this is parable of the sower. And uh, Jesus is talking about, you know, the different seed that falls in different places. It's the word of God. And the seed that um, fell on thorns grew up and choked the plant so they didn't bear grain. And that was really about the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things. These weeds that grow up and choke the word. So even though we've received the word of God, life is unproductive, it's unfruitful. And um, that sense of it just being choked off, 
you know, anxiety can choke off the, the cares of this life, it just wears down, it can choke off that fruitfulness of the Word of God. So, so that's kind of quite bleak, you know, quite a quite bleak thing, really. And, and um, but good news, that was three of six. So, um, but so what did Jesus say about it? What did he say we could do? Well, if only you had a, a, a podcast recorder, you could play back from March 2020, because we looked at that back then. Uh, and here's a, here's a, a little reminder. So, so this is, um, I think this is a really good way of, uh, this is Corrie Tembu, it's a great quote that, that I, uh, I, it really helps me to focus on, like, uh, understand why it is that we need to tackle this thing, this worry, this anxiety. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. Now, Corrie Tembu, if you know her, she was a Holocaust survivor, she was, she, I think she was at Auschwitz, one of the concentration camps, and uh, her faith, um, Coming through that is really extraordinary. So when she's talking about worry, she, she knows of what she speaks. Um, and, uh, but I think that's a really good sense that, you know, actually worry can empty today of its strength and therefore we, need, we really need to deal with it. Um, so what, um, why don't we look then at what it is that, um, that the release of Jesus is, is, is all about. So when we looked at um, uh, the the Sermon on the Mount, we were looking at, uh, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will what you'll eat, your clothes, what you'll wear, consider the birds of the air, consider the lilies of the field, don't worry, can you add a, a single cubit to your heart by worrying? No, don't worry about tomorrow, each day's got enough trouble of its own, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well, so don't worry. And um, we, when we when we looked at this, we could see that there were there were four areas in there. That there was there was your life, and that isn't the word for your biological life or even your lifestyle or your manner of life. It's your very self, your identity. Don't worry about that very identity. Why? Well, because your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, clothes. So so there's a sense of where is my identity, and usually. Anxiety is strongest when it, in, in it tackles who we think we are. Anxiety really resonates inside us if it gets at who we think we are. Whether that's, you know, my identity is, and, and I face this with some uncertainty in my job, my identity is tied up with the fact that I work in this job. Then I'm in real trouble when something takes that identity away, when they reorganise the health service and I've got no idea as of, in fact, in, in, in about seven days, to six days' time, my organisation shuts down and then I all changes and we don't really quite know exactly how it all changes yet which is fairly late in the day to be figuring that out so um, but you know your life your identity can be released that snare of work can be released by an identity in a father in heaven I have a father in heaven who loves me and I'm his child and that's that's the release from that snare and what about you know don't worry about what you'll eat or drink because we have the Father's provision and he'll provide for us. And don't worry about your body and your clothes. And, and can I say, by the way, that's all about, it's not about bodies and clothes. It's actually about social acceptance, how other people see us. And social anxiety is one of the most common anxieties in the world. So that sense that oh, I'll be humiliated, people will think terribly of me, is like, you know, a really big thing. You know, so many people would just have, would have a fear of speaking in front of a crowd, anything like that, because it's that sense of, oh, what if they, what if they just look at me with contempt? Well, 
do you know what? Your father clothes you. Your father gives you your, your, your social identity as well. He provides you with your place in the world. And that's, that's the release of the snare as well. Um, and what about the future? Well, that's about uncertainty. And again, you know, with the little pictures we looked at last time, was, uh, you know, the, the daily pint of milk that was used to deliver to my house when I was growing up. And, you know, you couldn't just use today's milk, couldn't keep going, it'd go off. But that's okay, because tomorrow there'd be another two pints on the doorstep, it'd be fine. And that's exactly how God wants us to be. He says, each day's got enough trouble of its own. Remember manna in the desert, exactly the same. Try and keep it, go off. But it's plenty enough for today. And tomorrow you've got to trust that we've plenty enough to tomorrow as well. So Jesus has given us these amazing things. And, and over and above all of that, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God, because that priority will eclipse all of those worries. So, so he's given us some amazing things, ways to release our hearts from the snares of worry. It's pretty good, isn't it? So, so there is some good news after all. And, and, um, and let's see how they played out with, how did they carry forward? What, how did the apostles, the people who are Jesus' first followers, they wrote to us in the epistles and they gave us lots of practical stuff there. So, so what were some of the things in there? Well, um, Peter said to uh, people who are really facing quite a lot of suffering, he said, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humble yourselves under his mighty hand and in time he will lift you up. So don't worry about the social pecking order. Don't worry about being dug down. God will lift you up at the due time. Cast your anxieties on him. Paul said lots of things. Um, for instance, he said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. He said, he's given us a spirit not to again be slave to fear, but a spirit of adoption, to be a son and daughter of the living God, just like Jesus said. It's your father in heaven. That's where your identity is. There's a protection from that thing, that stressor that you fear might dent you and, and, and injure your, your, your identity. But he also said, uh, very practically, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding of God, your hearts and your minds. That's a great promise for us. That's a great practical thing of, oh, how do you do that? How do you do that when you've got the anxiety and it's kind of overwhelming you? Now, listen, this is all great stuff. It complements and adds to the stuff that Emma was talking about last week, but there's even more stuff in the talk than this, right? I'm just talking about this stuff. Emma talks about lots of other stuff too, which is also really brilliant uh, stuff that will help us in a broader sense, but it will really help us also with, uh, with anxiety too. So don't be anxious, but, and what did John say? Well, John said, there's no fear in love. He said, perfect love drives out all fear. And the one who fears is not yet made perfect or complete in love. So actually the love of God is the great replacement. It's the great building site. Our lives are a building site. And, and that building site is of love replacing fear. So even though we're a bit of a work in progress and we've not done it yet, receiving more and, and, and embracing more and, and deeper that, that deep, wide, high, long love of God in Christ Jesus, really soaking into us and getting at the very biggest insecurities that are festering deep down in our heart is, is John's insight that actually 
this thing, this anxiety of fear, we can move towards living without fear. But we need that replacement, that great replacement of love over fear, love overcoming fear. So finally, um, did I just go backwards or forwards? I think I went forwards. Yeah, okay, that's good. Finally, the way of David. Um, so if you ever wondered what, if God had Spotify, what would be his playlist? The answer is it's the book of Psalms. Okay, so that is his, uh, that is his playlist. They are his tunes. So if you want to know, you know, what, what would God pick? That's that. There's 150 of them. And, uh, and um, here's, here's one of them because it's quite, it, it, it's, it's the only divinely inspired playlist that's ever been curated for us. It's 100% inspired. You know, most of the, we've got some good songs on my playlist, right? But some are good and some are a bit dumb. God, it's 100% pure truth. So, what does that show as well? Here's, a, here's one. Here's a really practical example because this is all good, but, you know, life still throws at you some pretty tough situations. And here's a good example. This is when David, um, basically, he fled his son who'd risen up and said, I'm going to take the kingship. And uh, his his situation was a pretty dire one, right? There are actually people trying to hunt him down and imprison and kill him. And, uh, and pretty much all of his reputation, all of his legacy was in tatters and in ruins. Um, and so the question is, well, so what did, what, did, what did he do? Because, you know, in our society, we can, we can range from the kind of, well, stiff up a lip, kind of keep it in, kiwi, you know, we're all good. It's all good, everything's good, everything's fine through to the sort of almost, uh, you know, well, we just like to let our emotions all hang out and just vent our emotions all over the place. Well, actually, the Bible doesn't really do either of those things, but we take what we have, and, and this is not a very neat prayer, right? This is not, you wouldn't read this in an Anglican hymn book and think, hey, this is, you know, a Presbyterian hymn book, and think, oh, that's lovely. What a lovely thing, you know, right? Look at the middle of it. Oh, Lord, strike my hands on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Come on, Lord. Suck it to him. You know, that's, that's not very, it's not very religious, is it, really? It's, it's pretty unprocessed, right? It's a bit jumbled. But look at what David does. So he starts off. Oh, Lord, how many of my foes, how many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. So that's the, the two bits there. There's the physical threat, lots of foes against me, but also many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. His reputation's gone. He's now known as an adulterer, someone who arranged a murder. He's not thought of. And they're saying, do you know what? I remember, remember what happened with Saul. You know, Saul displeased God. God took the kingdom away from him. God departed from him. Don't think God's going to rescue David either. So his fear was, I'm losing everything. I'm losing who I am. I'm losing my identity. And the first thing is he names it. So he, he kind of figures out, what is it that's really eating away at me? Well, there's a, there's a real presenting danger. And there's also this underlying thing that my legacy and everything I've built my identity on is disappearing. So he says, what it is, he gets it out there. And then he says, but you, Lord. That's a great thing in prayer. Getting it all out there and then saying, but Lord, but Lord, you, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts up my head. And um, and I, I wanted to, uh, it's a great phrase that, the one who lifts my head high if I'm bowed low with shame. I'm bowed low with all that failure that's stacked up. And that, you know, all the accusing voices, they've probably got something in what they're saying because I've really stuffed up. So, and yet, you're my glory, 
my stuff, the stuff I haven't done isn't my glory, you're my glory. And you are the lifter of my head. Now I want just a visual aid at this point, just going to show you something. So, let's take my, to show you what's on over my t-shirt, not under my t-shirt, obviously. <laughs> so see what this is? This is, um, can you see that? Yeah. This is a posture corrector, and it's a posture corrector, and it's come from my physiotherapist. And um, the reason for that is back in April, I managed to have a collision with a, another bike, a mountain biker on the, on the rotary walkway, and I fell off my bike, and I sprained my hand, and I did my shoulder in a little bit. But the thing was, um, what happened was, I, it was a bit painful, and the pain was a problem for the first bit, and the physio worked a bit on that. But then he said, that last time I went to him, he strapped me up with all this tape, and he said, well, I need to do that because your problem is no longer a pain. Your problem now is that you are compensating for the pain. And even though the pain is gone, you've got into the habit of compensating. So the compensating is lingering. And that exactly is a picture of how a present fear can turn into an ongoing anxiety. And so what does a physio do? He says, well, do you know, I just need you to lift up. You need to lift up your head. You need to lift up, you need to get your posture back. So that that thing that was, you know, a specific doesn't become a structural thing that, you know, now it's, you've, you've just become, you know, you're starting to round your shoulder the whole time. You've got a different problem. The original problem's not there anymore. You've now got a new problem, which is, the problem is how you're responding to this problem. This problem's gone away. So, so in the same way, in the same way, God is the lifter of our head. He can lift our head from that sense of shame that otherwise would leave us, even though all the wrong things we've done are forgiven, but we can still be bowed by it. We can still having security about it, we can still have anxiety about it, and say, God, you lift my head. I call out to the Lord, he answers me from his holy mountain. That was the place of the tabernacle. For us, we've done it already this morning with, with the bread and the wine. That was, God answers us from the cross, actually. And so, in that processing, where did David get to? Well, look where he got to. Remember those, that promise, that astonishing promise? In the middle of all of that, David says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though 10,000 assail me on every side. And then obviously he gets really passionate, you know, oh Lord, you know, get out of my enemies, Lord. And, uh, but also his mind turns towards the people. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Now Absalom was never going to be a good king. He was never going to be a good king. And so actually David was not only fearful of himself and his preservation, but in his better moments, he was thinking about the nation that actually he let down and that actually God could turn that around as well. So, so that's the journey of processing very messy emotions, including anxiety, and how God, in tumbling it out to him and then in thinking about who he is in our prayer time, somehow he takes us to a point that maybe we can sleep and maybe we can lie down, and maybe we can be without fear, even in the middle of what can sometimes be tricky situations. And um, the final thing just to say about the Psalms, there isn't a really time this morning, but Psalm 139 is an amazing psalm. It starts, oh Lord, you've searched me, you know me. You know where I sit, you know where I rise, you know. And it's beautiful. And uh, it's going on this great meditation of how amazingly known we are by God. And then you're almost at the end, and then a bit like in this psalm, he suddenly goes, oh, you'll slay the wicked, Lord, in the middle of it. But then he says, oh, Lord, um, test me. 
and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And, and actually, even the things that cause us anxiety probably link to the things where, you know, actually God isn't finished with me yet and I've still got some un, un, uh, unrestored bits of my heart, my emotions, and the things that are really riling me up and making me feel like cross with other people and, that, you know, other people are difficult and all the rest of it. Um, and those things, those anxieties, they're a gift. They're a bit like a consciousness in a CT scan. That means that the, the problem can show up much more easily. So our anxieties help us to see this is where God needs to do some more work. His Holy Spirit needs to do some more work. So just in conclusion then, God doesn't promise us a world that's free from hazards and stresses. And um, Emma, Emma's uh, talk last time laid out all those ways, those God-given ways that we can help our bodies hear the signal from those stresses that the danger is past. There's a promise here though, which is a promise of a life of freedom from fear. And that's not because the world isn't scary, but because we can find ourselves in him, he can protect and hold who we are. And his perfect love can replace fear through that spirit of adoption as his kids, as his children. So we don't have to suppress our fears. We don't have to be awed by them. We can bring them to him. We can lay them at his feet. We can be encircled with his protection. We can rest. We can refresh to meet the challenges of each day in his grace and strength. Now, Matariki is a time when we look back reflectively, but it's also a time when we look ahead and we set some goals for the year to come. So I don't know if you've done that yet, but, you know, one, one goal could be this, to serve him without fear. That would be a great goal, wouldn't it? Just to be able to process our anxiety as we bring it to him and let perfect love do its work in our hearts. It's a great Tereo word for that, which is murito, which is to be deliberate without panic, relaxed, a serene sense of being able to be intentional about what we're doing. That's a great goal, isn't it? And that's the promise that we've got. So why don't we take hold of that promise so that we can have freedom from fear and be, as we've talked about all those times, those years ago before the pandemic came, be that non-anxious presence, bringing peace to a world that really needs it with this epidemic of anxiety that's out there. God can help us. God can help us. God bless you. Thanks for listening.